Welcome to Many Talks Podcast, talking all business, entrepreneurship, property development, finance and investment. Okay, Reese Many here, host of Many Talks. Got an exciting guest with me today, Kunle, um, a renowned property expert, journalist, TV presenter. Um, he's on the show with me today. Um, he's worked on ground designs, a few other programs that a lot of you would have been familiar with. We're going to have a good chat with him today. Thanks for coming on. It's um, my pleasure. Thank you for the invite. No problem. It's great, great to have you on. I mean, just explain to um, our viewers and our listeners. Yeah. Obviously, TV presenter. You've been on a lot of TV programs, ground design. One of them. Yeah. What's yeah. that like? Uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah. uh, for me. It's it's not a traditional presenter's role. I'm more what they call an expert. Okay. So I'm there talking about construction, yep. talking about building, helping people deliver builds, which is yep. what I do. What you I've do done, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, what I've done for the last 15 years. So for me, it's very much just about them capturing that on camera. So I'm yep. not a kind of Dermot O'Leary or Davina Cole. We're not going to see you on Britain's Got Talent. You will not see me on Britain's Got Talent on either side of the camera, <laughs> either as a contestant or as a judge. Fine. Um, that's not what I do. But yeah, so it's just, it's effectively me just doing what I do every day, yeah. but they stick a camera on. And it's enjoyable? It, it's great fun. It's really, really interesting. It's great to meet lots of new people. Uh, it, it's really challenging. Yeah. So um, working with Alan on, or Alan Titchmarsh on uh, Love Your Home and Garden is a yeah. challenge because he <laughs> is, you know, a, a national treasure. Uh, yeah. You know, TV royalty in, yeah. in the UK. And so working with someone like that is great. A lot of pressure yeah. because, you know, what I produce is all under his name, so it's got to be yeah, good. Yeah, so I suppose, yeah. Um, you know, obviously he's all over the garden, he's slightly, you know, less sure in the house, mm. so that's where where I come in. Um, so that's really good fun. Um, yeah. And then I do a lot of work with Kevin McLeod on Grand Designs Live, on the yeah. live show. So I, um, the, I'm the main presenter and curator for the Grand Theatre, which is where we do all the talks. Yeah. So uh, that's great, working with him, talking about what, what should we be talking about, how do we... Uh, Engage with the audience, and yeah. So my view is, I don't know if this is not my, this is my view, not Kevin's necessarily, is that you know, Grand Designs, the TV show, is aspirational, and it you know gives you the dream of you know of building this amazing yeah. home, and Grand Designs, the live show, is how we help people realise that dream. Actually doing it, have, actually do it, and and very much this year, since I've been involved in, in in curating the show or that part of the show anyway, this year has been all about. We started this thing called the roadmap, the Grand Designs Roadmap to Self-Build. And it was all about how can we lift the veil on self-build and show people how to do it. Mm. And we break it down into a process, much like buying a house. A bit more compli- com- complicated, obviously, yeah. and a longer, there's a bit more risk. But it was kind of like, you know, my theory when I pitched it to the, to the guys at Grand Designs, I kind of said to them, look, if you're in a pub and, you know, someone said, I want to buy a house, and pretty much everybody they're with would say, oh, I'll tell you, I know what to do. Yeah. You do this, 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 this. If you say to them, I want to build a house, they look at you and say... <laughs> I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. Let's get a builder. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know where to start. How do you find land? Yeah. How do you finance it? How do you... Yeah. All of these things. And so it was kind of like breaking it down into these bite-sized chunks and then explaining those chunks to people. And it's been really great. And so we're doing exactly the same thing. And that's been running this year? We did that in um, in May okay. at Grand Designs Live in, in London at Excel. And, and what was the uptake on that? Was it fantastic. good feedback? It, it, it was great. I mean, we did some really great myth-busting sessions. Yeah. A lot of the questions people had was, you know, they, the, the two biggest questions always seem to be, 
uh, I, you can't find land, I can't find land, yeah. um, and I can't finance it. Correct. Those are the two yeah. biggest questions. And we... They've got the ideas, but it's just where to start. Exactly, you just need to sort of get them on the, on the right track. So the uptake on the show has been, been phenomenal, you, you say? Yeah, at the live show, it's fantastic. When we yeah. did the myth-busting sessions, um, we had lots of engagement, lots of people in, on the actual shows, people coming up afterwards, questions. The shows all ran on yeah. longer than they, you know, than they should have done. Because what, What's the biggest question that the people come up with? Uh, the big, I think there's two probably biggest questions is, how can I find a plot of land? Okay. And how do I finance it? Can I get a mortgage? Or something that they, normally, yeah, yeah. they normally ask you. And um, there's some, there's, that's a, the, the financing of Selfbird is a really interesting space at the moment, I think, yeah. with the advent of uh, crowdfunding, which is yes. fantastic. We work with the company, um, and they told me a story last week, or the, the, in the last six weeks or something, they raised £750,000 in like 40 seconds or something. Yeah, on can the, be on done. The, on their crowdfunding. On their platform. platform on their yeah. platform, yeah. Which, is, which, you know, which was fantastic. And, um, you know, trying to explain to people that actually they, these, these crowdfunding platforms, some of them will, will fund um, not equity but the debt. So the debt, it's yeah. just like a loan, basically. Correct, yeah. So, it, you know, it's no different. And it's seven, you know, it'll give you 70% and you only pay the interest on what you draw down. And, it, you know, it's a really... It's an eye-opener for, for yes. people that don't understand that well. They've never been in that before. Um, so, yeah, that's a, I suppose that's, that's a good uptake for people. No, it's fantastic it? because a lot of... Because it's one of those things that most people understand or know or heard of crowdfunding. Yeah. So as soon as you say that to them, they're like, oh, I get that. And, you know, and they understand it. They understand it and, it and, and they know, want to have a look. Yeah, exactly. And it's... Uh, so that's really interesting, but there's you know lots of more traditional ways to fund builds. It's just about pointing people in the right direction. Yeah. Crowdfunding is not right for everybody, obviously. No, there's um, there's some some good and, and bad parts of crowdfunding. Yeah. Um, but each each their own. Everybody's looking for a different thing. So how do you help people find plots of land? Is that what you you do or? Well, no, we just show them you know, and it's it's, it's really straightforward. So we, we are going from it's a very simple. It's a, at the at the beginning stages of what we do at Grand Designs yeah. Live. We can't solve all the problems for them. No, of course. The idea is that we give them this roadmap, yeah, and so we show them where so to go. So you put them on the path. We put them on the path. When people come to Grand Designs Live, they think there's no plots available. And I yeah. say to them, but you can look for just plots even on Rightmove. And they say, really? Right, yeah. I said, no, you can. Just, you know, just, just don't have a look. Yeah, just <laughs> type in. And yeah. they're like, oh. And then there's you know, lots of specialist services, then there's specialist brokers. Yeah. And then we explain to them the difference between buying plots with planning and without the risk but then the benefits if you can get planning. And also, um, I work with a really interesting guy, actually, a property developer um, called Evan Maindonald, who runs a company called Melt Homes. And okay. what he specialises in is in buying the uh, plots with planning permission, but plots okay. that have stayed around for a long time. Yeah, because no one's ever done anything with, right. but they've got the permission. But they've got the permission. And what he does, he maximises that. So yeah. he turns a DVD, uh, GDV and he'll look at it and he'll say, well, if it's... Um, you know, a million. Let's yeah. see if we can make it two. Yeah. And that's by adding value and, and jigging exactly by jigging things around. And, yeah. and that is a that's a really really interesting uh, part of the market for me at the moment. Yeah. Okay. So just just going back, obviously, um, grand designs, and you be, you become a TV presenter. But talk us through the early stage of your life, like when you was at school, when you was younger. What was it like growing up? Did you have a vision of being on TV? Oh, Did you God, have no. a vision of no. being in construction? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, God, I don't, you know, I was at school, I think all I wanted to do was uh, play rugby and chase girls, I think. <laughs> 
you know, you speak to my dad, he, yeah. was, he was very disappointed by <laughs> <laughs> attitude to, to yeah. school. Funny enough, actually, I went back there um, uh, about a month ago to judge a design competition. Okay. And it was incredible. And I, I joked that, you know, I, I, I probably wouldn't get into the school now. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, and uh, nobody uh, sort of uh, said any difference. <laughs> I suspect that if <laughs> just, true. I probably wouldn't get no into No one went, there. no, no, you're wrong there. No, we no, welcome no, you're wrong. Of course <laughs> you get into it. They just all just said, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. No, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so when I was at school, you know, I, you know, I just, you know, you know, just a, a normal kid um, doing the normal things. Yep. Um, and when I went to university, I was always very interested in uh, um, engineering. So okay. I did engineering at university. Yep. Very interested in, um, at the time, the advent in, um, in computer-controlled manufacturing. So I did a, a degree in that. Okay. Then stayed on at Leeds and did a, an MA in human resource management. Part of that was I didn't really know <laughs> what I wanted to do. Okay, yeah. So I did that, and then for nine years had a, 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 like a kind of youth branding company. Although we didn't know that's what we were doing at the time. We were doing, it was quite funny, we were doing, we were basically doing parties in, okay. in, in clubs and stuff for our mates. And then all of these, all of these um, like Whitbread and all these big brands kept saying to us, well, you, I hear you running all these parties, could we promote? And we didn't understand what that was at the time. Yeah. And I always remember I went into this meeting with uh, Bass Breweries, who, who, who were quite big in Leeds at the time, and yeah. owned a lot of venues. And they said, um, right, so we want you guys to do a part. We walked into this room, and I remember thinking, God, we walked into this room full of all these old men in suits. The joke is, obviously, all of those people in that room were probably way younger than I am now. <laughs> but I thought they were really... <laughs> no, you thought they were old. Yeah, I thought they were these old men. <laughs> walked into this room, and they were like, right, we've got these Alco Pops at the time that they want to promote. Yeah, and yeah. You know, what can you do for us? I said, oh, do this, 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 this. And we walked out, and we just, I was like, we were just like, what just happened? I don't understand why they're asking us these questions. Because when you're young, you don't get... The, you know, the, the idea of that you might know something, you just assume you yeah. know something. You assume everybody else knows it, and it was just really strange for us. So we did that for a bit, and then I came to so London. So that was on your journey to becoming an entrepreneur, really? Exactly, yes, that's probably the first, it. yeah. I think, I think, you know, since I left university, I've worked, I had a PAYE job for maybe three years or something. Um, yeah. And that was split up over, you know, two or three different jobs. And um, so I did, we, we did that, and we set this company up, and then um, I decided I wanted to come back to London. Uh, I came back and I worked for a, 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 a tech startup, which was in the days before Google, so we were introducing businesses to customers. So okay. it was a kind of, um, at the time actually, it was quite revolutionary. It was one of the first people to do that. So what we did, we did a huge database of businesses, from accountants to builders to everybody else. Okay. And then we had a database of effectively end users and we would sort of hook them up. And Try and pull them together. Yeah, it was called eHook. I think the problem looking back on it, it was the, the issue with that was it was probably too broad. So the ones that have survived are the ones that are quite narrow. So, you know, there's it's focused on one thing. Yeah, so yeah. focused on painters or builders. Or, gotcha, yeah. You know, so those are still around and doing, doing great, great business. Yeah. And then obviously, then the advent of Google kind of changed <laughs> all of that anyway. Changed so, everything. Exactly. So I did that and then from there, Went on and, and set up a, a, a property development. I, I bought a few houses in um, uh, in Leeds when I was a student and renovated them and sold them. Is that was was that your first entry into property? My first entry into property was when I was a student. I bought a, uh, a kind of a five bedroom house, I think, for uh, sixty thousand pounds in this student area of Leeds. Kind of went to IKEA just opened Leeds, did it up myself. Yeah. Over the summer, bought this you know new furniture in. 
I then rented it out and I lived on the top floor and rented the other. You rent the rooms out, yeah, so like a HMO. Yeah, now, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what, what you were getting exactly involved. What it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and rented it out and then and, and, and kind of went on from there. But it was always something we were doing on the side. And then we moved back to London with some friends, set up a little. I guess. Did you keep that in Leeds once you uh, graduated? Um, I kept it for three or four years and then sold it. Made profit. Yeah. So I think I I, I bought it for like sixty thousand and sold it. So once you'd um, made some money in property, yeah. was that your real? Was that what inspired you to to move into property? Then yeah, or not of, really? Yeah, it was. And then at that, and at that point, we set up this kind of little property development company with me and four guys from, from school. Okay. And we said, Let, let's buy some properties and do them up. And it was very much on that same kind of looking at student areas. So we were, we went to Leicester. Okay. It wasn't as good as Leeds actually. Leeds was phenomenal. Um, it's for a big city, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. You know, it was incredible. Um, demand is just, you know, every effectively year you get this new influx of effectively customers. Yeah. Um, and there's not a big city, not enough property. It's just, you know, incredible. And um, so we did that and we, we, we set up a property development company. And then what was happening was we only had a finite amount of money. So we would buy a property, do it up, and then we have to wait to sell it. Wait to sell it before you can move on to the, the next one. To next one. And then we kept losing our, um, our, our guys, our teams. And it, I was like, oh God, we keep, every time we, we do this, go through this cycle, we have to you know, effectively procure it get again. A new, get new contractors. Get a new contractors in. I said, why do we like that? I said, well, maybe there's a way of, um, maybe there was a way of, of, of keeping that going. And it was, um, like we were running it from a little flat that I had bought in, uh, in Maida Hill and uh, from the kitchen. Okay. And every now and again, the phone would ring and someone would say, could you do a bathroom? I said, no, no, we don't do that, you know, because we had this little entry in Yellow Pages. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, look, what if we exploit that and then if we get some jobs in and then we can keep our teams and then, effectively, that's what happened. We did that and it took off and then very quickly, um, that was, we were getting more work that way. So you turned your business into a bigger business by just thinking, about keeping your team busy. Yeah, and I always say, you know, people always say, oh, you know, most of the great, the best things that I've done haven't necessarily been me sitting there with this master plan and saying, no. go from A to B. It's kind of like you just do the best you can and then an opportunity presents itself. You think, oh, actually, let's exploit yeah. that. And Fantastic there's several, point. Yeah, there's, there's all, yeah, pretty much all the, the best things are gonna happen that way. Yeah. Um, and so we did that and we kept going. And then all of a sudden I realized it was just me and I was kind of seeing four clients a day and then writing bids and then trying to organize the teams. And a friend of mine said, well, look, you should get onto a framework. You should work for local government or one of the big, big contractors because you'll do one deal and you'll be working all year. And I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> it <laughs> makes know, my life easier. That great. <laughs> and so we, sat, we did a little marketing campaign and then I contacted a load of like what you call like I guess the tier one contractors, so like okay. Balfour Beatty's Gears, Connell at the time they've yeah. gone now, Carillion they've gone now, and, um, and and kept doing that. And we got our first contract. Someone brought us in. We did one bathroom, uh, in a, in, well, two a month, and then we did five a month, and two a week, three a week, and then at our height the company grew, and we were doing I think just for one contract we were doing twenty kitchens and bathrooms a week. So we're opening twenty yeah. a week. Um, working for Camden Council, and it was part of the decent home. And did you have all of the contract? Was was it contracted out your workers, all, or did you have them all? No, all contracted out. But all yeah. the, these guys worked for us. We've been doing that for ten years. Yes, yeah, so just stayed, kept them. Yeah. Stayed, stayed with us now. I mean, that's just the that's just the structure of 
most construction businesses. Of course, yeah. Um, but you, you know, you keep them working for obvious reasons because. Uh, what did you learn from that business? What did I learn in, in the growth, the rapid growth that you experienced, um, and what failures did you experience that taught you not to do that again in the future? Okay. So what did I learn? It was uh, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> that. You, you always think, it's very easy in, um, when you're starting a business that you think the biggest problem is sales. But if you've got a good business, that's not the biggest problem. Your biggest problem is delivery. Yeah. Right? Because actually it's going to be quite easy for you to get sales. But if you can't deliver, it will destroy your business. All of a sudden, delivery became the issue because we grew exponentially, you know, from kind of 750 to 3 million to 8 and we just kept growing like this this exponential growth and um, that was a, and delivery was was a problem yeah. um, always focusing you know on delivery there's a lot of people out there that think forget about that you know yeah. a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs and a, a lot of people that are starting their business they think um, sell 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 yeah. which as you said is great but if you can't deliver on what you're selling you're going to keep needing to fill that pipeline of selling a lot more because yeah. you're just you're just churning clients, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. And then what happens is it, it causes problems. So what happened to us is we grew in this way. Now I had this feeling that I should employ people, and you know I, I'd always worked with people and trained them. So mm. you know the head of our electrical division started off as a kitchen fitter, and we trained him as an electrician. So you've done it your way. We did that. We did it. We always did it like that. But I always I think. I didn't take enough advice. I didn't ask for enough help from other people. I felt that asking for help was a sign of weakness, and yep. actually, it's the opposite of that. Yeah. So um, you didn't have a mentor, really. Didn't have a mentor. I needed somebody, and I, you know, it would have really. Changed. What do you think that would have done for your career if you had a mentor? Like if you if you had a mentor, somebody like yourself now. Yeah. Then. It would have made a huge. It would have made a huge difference yeah. because I needed somebody. You know, they would have said to me that you're growing too quick. Just slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they would have explained to me there's at certain points at your growth cycle that you have to go outside of your existing company and buy in some talent mm. and that's what we should have done and we, we, we never we didn't do that we always felt because I'd, I'd always done that so we always felt that we, we, we can do it ourselves and we can learn and you know I'll go yeah. I'll read a bit or we'll go on a course and, and it's like no there are certain things that you just need the skills yeah. and you need the talent and you need to go and buy that in um, and, and, and we didn't we didn't do that and that, and that and that causes problems. And then the other thing I always say to people, you know, when I say be careful what you wish for, is all of a sudden I was not a builder anymore, or I was not a, a, a constructing anymore. All I was doing was I was kind of like an enforcer, a bailiff, a debt collector, you know, a part-time you know therapist, and that's all I was doing. And I wasn't yeah. doing the job so anymore. That you enjoyed? No, I wasn't. I was, you know, I was as they say. You know, working in the business, not on the business, and yep. so I said to people, be careful of that because it and it, and it kind of sullied the way I felt about the business, and it, you know, because it's very stressful. You know, where you get to this point, and uh, you know, you're thinking, gosh, if that guy doesn't pay us, you know, when you've got a payroll which is seventy thousand pounds every two weeks or something, yep. you know, it takes one or two clients not to, to pay your time, your chase, and it's just this, and we were, you know, we were doing that a lot, and. Um, and that was, you know, and that was that was a big problem for us. I mean, look, you learn. I learned a hell of a lot from that, and I, 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 I'm fine with what you know what we did and what happened. But yeah, it would have been. Uh, my advice to people now is, no, look, take, 
you know, look, look at other people's, you know, look to other people, get them in, yeah. get talent in, and um, you know, don't chase the growth. Yeah. Um, get to a point, consolidate, make sure you're you're happy with what, you, what's what you're doing, then move on. And, and your advice there, you know, the same as mine is, find a mentor and work with a mentor. But it is tough for people that are looking for a mentor because there's so many books. There's so many um, courses. Yeah. There's so much information out there. How do you know that you're getting on the right track? I mean, that is, you're right, that is difficult. My, my gut reaction is stay away from self-help books necessarily. Yeah. Unless you know that, unless you know that they're not all bad. But yeah. just, you know, with self-publishing and all this, there's just so much out there. So it's the same thing, you know, and even looking on, on websites or videos, you know, take um, um, advice. Yeah, recommendations, people, look at your personal network. And that's really interesting because our personal networks are so big now. Yeah. We're using things like LinkedIn or Facebook yeah. or Twitter. You know, ask other people that you trust. And people that have done it. Yeah, that people that have done so it. People you know. that have got some kind of CV and history of producing. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's incredible how people will want, to, will want to help you. And actually, so I learned from that. And when I... Um, when I, when I segmented from that business into another business, I had learnt my lesson and I asked for help. So yeah. one of the founding directors at Argent, I met him at a golf day and I said, no, will you help me? And he, he, he came in and he came in and we, we, we had coffee and he helped me. The, the, uh, the, the UK CEO of Arcadis, and he's a huge company, mm. and they helped me. Yeah. People will want to help you. And, you know, again, I, I would say, you know, go to a company that you admire, that you that you respect, either in your industry or maybe yeah. in another one. And yeah, drop a line to the CEO and see, see what they say. You know, you never know. And what they may do is they may bounce you down a, a couple of levels, but that's still fine. You know, to you're still the, getting the, the advice that you need from the, the people. That's, I think that's much better than, than paying, you know, £2,000 for a weekend in, you know, some hotel in Somerset with somebody, you, you know, where you might not know exactly the yeah. benefit or the... All the all the kind of uh, the, the value of the information that you're it's, getting. It's a good point there. Be careful for what courses you are getting. There are some good courses yeah, out there. Of course, there are. Yeah. Um, but you're right. You you want to make sure that the people that you're taking advice from have, have actually done the job themselves previously, instead of just That's selling the, yeah. you some kind of course. That That's exactly what you want. You want somebody who's who's done it. Who's, who's, who's been done there, it, who's, done who's, it. Who's been there, done it. Got the T-shirt, as yeah. they say. So from that business, the development business, is that still running? Did you sell out of that? No, so that just, we just segmented and we became more of a consultancy okay. illustrious home. So effectively now, using all of the you know you know the lessons that I learned, some some the hard way, some the yep. easy way. <laughs> um, you know, I help we help companies. We go in and, and, and help them turn jobs around. So okay. we do a lot of project rescue, which is where jobs are going wrong for multiple reasons. Yeah. Um, and, we, and we helped those, and that's actually how then I got into the television, because when ITV were doing the new show for, for um, Titchmarsh, um, they were worried that could they deliver a build okay. in a relatively short amount of time, um, that would be good for broadcast, yeah, or good enough for the ITV brand, and good enough for the Love Your Garden brand, and good enough for Alan Titchmarsh's brand. So they approached me and said, originally it was about, you know, can you show us how to deliver these projects. And we did that. And I said, well, actually, well, can you come on camera as well? That's kind of how it happened. Yeah, that's how it happened. That's, that's how, how it happened, yeah. Hmm. So and, it and that was enjoyable? <laughs> it was enjoyable in the sense that it was a challenge. Yeah. But it was incredibly difficult to deliver those builds. 
on. I mean, I even I. It was they were the three. The first three were the three hardest we'd done because nobody we'd never we'd nobody had done it before. Yeah, I hadn't done it before. The t production company. When you say you haven't, you hadn't done it on camera before. On camera before. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I had. So not. it's an added layer of pressure, I suppose. Isn't yeah, it? because you've got. You know, I used to call them the half-half crew, which we went. So the production team would come in, and they'd basically say, "We want it for half the budget in half the amount of time." Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, you know, and we we'll leave that wall out. Yeah, yeah. well, no, but you have to do it, and then you have to. You're like, oh god, and then you're you're saying, you know, and then there was this really strange thing. We we're up against time, really tight up against time, and they're kind of saying to you, "Oh, but don't fit that steel because we need Alan to be there. We need to film it." because it's a real big part of the narrative of the show. <laughs> so and that slows you down. When can you get here? Well, Alan's not free for another week. And you're like, yeah. but we've got... You want this done. <laughs> you want this done. <laughs> you know. yeah. So there's all these things. But look, we did it in the end. And I was running, actually, and because I, they effectively procured my services directly to manage the build. But they didn't have a huge budget. So I did it. Ordinarily, I'd have a team around me. So yeah. ordinarily, it would be me, a project manager. I'd be project director. There'd be project manager, site manager, contracts manager. QS, I did all of those roles. Done it all yourself? For a job in Elton, South London, in uh, Chester, uh, sorry, in Banbury and in Chester. And they were all running simultaneously and I had to finish them all. It was just so, there was a, that three months was a, was a very, very busy time. Very challenging <laughs> three months. But I'm glad I did it because yeah. I learned a lot. And they, they all finished on time? All successful? All finished on time, on budget, under budget actually, if you look at them commercially. Mainly because it was on TV, so we were allowed to. Yeah. A lot of people helped us out. Yeah. And, and got us on the budget, so all all done um, on time, on budget, and ready for cameras. And you know, you can go on my YouTube channel, you can see the results. And yeah, yeah, they were fantastic. I'm incredibly proud of them, actually. Yeah. And do, and do you enjoy that side of things, getting things completed? Is that? Yeah, that's is that a passion that you've you've got? Would you say? Yeah, you, that you is. That? And I think you know, I'm a bit weirdly perverted in that I actually enjoy it when things are going wrong and then you put them right. You put them right. That, for yeah. me, that's the. Enjoy the challenges. I enjoy the challenge of it, despite you know the sleepless nights and yeah. you know I would say pulling my hair out, but obviously that's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it can't all have been plain sailing. Obviously, them three developments went well. On camera, have you had developments that have run slightly behind, and you've had to? Yeah, I mean we do all the time. I mean we have got developments now that are running, that are running well, over schedule. Yeah, yeah, they're over budget. They all that always happens to an extent. Mm. Um, the, the key is what we're good at is explaining that to the client, being very transparent. Um, and sometimes you purposefully allow them to run over. So yeah. there's a job at the moment that ran over like three months. But I always ask the client, what, what's your priority? What's important to you? And normally it's one of three things. Yeah. Time, yeah. budget, or quality. And it couldn't be all three, but normally it's one is one the preference. Them, yeah. and, and, and this client wasn't worried about time because they, were, they had a house that they could stay in. Yeah. What it for them was, it was budget. Yeah. They wanted to stick to a certain budget, but they wanted to get an end result, which was this kind of, the guy six foot three, with planning meant that we, we, we weren't allowed to do certain things in this new kitchen extension we built. So it was going to be really tight, yeah. because we were doing a two-story extension. And he wanted to make sure that we had a certain clearance. So we had to do it in a roundabout way and keep going back to planning, going Just back to structure. And we kept changing, designing and building it as we went. Now in the end, even though it was, um, just under four months over, and including he, he added a few things, um, but they're happy because yeah. at the end of the day, we stuck to the budget, and we and we and we got, and it, got done it done. And we got it done. We got it done, and we, they've got the result that they wanted, um, which which they're delighted about. Because when we started, I said I can do it for the budget you want, but you can't have the 
the, the height in that kitchen. Yeah. Well, it's just not possible unless, but as things went on, I said, oh, we, we found ways of doing it. Enjoy it so, so that's fine. What's the best piece of advice you've received or you could give to somebody moving forward? In any business? Or yeah, in, yeah, in the entrepreneur world that we, we're in right now. Um, the best piece of advice that you can give to anybody in the entrepreneur world is, is, is pick your priorities very, very carefully and, and, and stagger them and, and set yourself some pretty tough goals yep. at the beginning. Um, and try not to get um, distracted with other things going around you. Yeah, your, easily done. It's really easy easily in, in your business. And, 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 and just be like, no, this is, I want five clients. And be brave enough to say, I want five clients of, you know, in, of this level, mm. wherever that may be. Yeah? And, and stick to that. And, and don't waver from that. And, and, and do everything you can to get, you know, to get to that point. And have you run your business and your life like that? Not all the time. No. We do now. Yeah. You know, we do now. We've just set up a new contracting business. Okay. And we're very much like I said, no, we only want jobs of, of this level. We're saying no to a lot of things now. Yeah. Not, obviously, you've set, your, you've set your plan and your criteria and you know what you want. Exactly. And, you know, everything is set up for that. So our, our, our supply team, our, our supply chain, sorry, is set up to deliver projects of a certain level. Mm. And I always say, look, we don't, you know, we, so the classic thing is, we always say, we don't, I, we're very straight with people. I just say, look, you will get a cheaper building quote than what, what we're going to give you. And I'll, I'll tell yeah. you that now, right? But, um, but if you want us, this is what it's going to cost what you. Cost, yeah. But we will deliver the job for you. Yeah. And that's a guarantee. And, and that's what, you know, and always, you know, I give it the, I have this little talk, which I always, I always refer to the, um, Jokingly, the, the Mercedes Astra talk. Yeah. You know, and they say, it's the difference between a Mercedes Benz and Astra. Yeah. It's up to you. Nothing wrong with Astras. If that's what you want, go and buy one. But if you want a Mercedes, that's what we are. Yeah. But you're getting a Mercedes. You're, you're getting a Mercedes. Getting what we, what you're we getting say. what we say. Yeah. And to be brave enough to do that. Yeah. And, and, um, and look, there, there were always commercial pressures. As much as I always say that to people, you were always, in the end, going to be you know, chasing turnover a little bit because mm. of the commercial business. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you set your stall out in that way, I think it makes it much easier for you. What's, what's the biggest development that you've done as um, a team? The team, the biggest one we're working on at the moment with a client is one which is um, a 60 million GDV project okay. in, um, in Kennington. Um, okay. It's early days, I can't say too much about it. <laughs> okay. But it's really interesting because there's gonna, we, we're looking into... Is that one going to be on TV or...? No, that no, is, well, I, well, we don't know actually. It might be something, with, you know, people say on TV, but look, you know, and, there's lots of, with YouTube. Yeah, you yeah, know, different. Channels, it's going to be featured somewhere. We will always. I mean, I feature a lot of my my builds now on my YouTube okay. channel. Um, and, and if people want to engage with that, the best place to find that is is either go to kinleybarker.com. Okay. And then you can find the the, the Barker TV link. On link there, there. And then you, you can follow. And I just go through my jobs and I see what's interesting about it and if I've got something to say. Yeah. And it goes from small things to we would. I was talking about a subterranean wine cellar the other week. That we're doing for a client, which was incredible. Which and actually, that talk was about um, people are always caught up in, you know, is this going to add value to my property? And the talk, well, it's basically saying that value is not just pound notes. Value is it's your house, it's yeah, your lifestyle. Yeah, depends what you so, want it for. Hey, yeah. At the end of the day, if you want a subterranean wine cellar, then get it, because mm. that is adding value because you like you it. Live, and you're going to live in it, and you're exactly, going to use it. Yeah. yeah. And this guy's going to live in this house and basically until he, yeah, until he dies effectively. So it's like. Is it a great? Is it a good investment? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And 
Um, another job I talked about um, reinstating um, whether you should reinstate um, period features or whether it's okay to get replica. Absolutely, it just depends on, on, on budget and on what's around. And we were talking about this cornicing and we replaced all the cornicing in a property and we got replica yeah. in. I said, look, but this is why. And, this, and we, we showed them, the, you know, we, we showed the reasons. So we, we go through all of that. But yeah, I mean, we work on a, a range of projects. I mean, the project I just talked about is the biggest by far that we've done. And what's that mixed use? Is that <coughs> that is going to be? Uh, we're, we're, it's going through planning at the moment. But it was again. It was it, it, the, the the client is um, that Evan McDonald I, I talked about earlier. Okay. Yeah. And what he has done, he's looked at a site and he has effectively increased the value of it and changed the use of it. And so that's going through. Them. We, we're going through. through so developers way. go and do that, and then they'll come to you and contract it out to you, and then. Effectively, yeah, I mean, it's slightly different. The job we're doing for him is is that we were going to be helping him build a delivery structure so okay. that he can deliver a job of that level um, and helping him do that, so freeing up his time. And then do you do you help the developers sell the end units as well? Yeah, I can do. We you do, all, do. The, all the way through, but normally they're pretty good at that. Yeah. Under, you know, Leads me to the next question. Okay, yeah. Obviously, the, the market at the moment with Brexit, a bit of uncertainty about... Yeah. How's that in in the market for selling? Obviously, it's ground to a halt slightly. Quite, yeah. What what do you? What's your take on it? My take on it is that if you just strip away all the nonsense and go back to <laughs> bare bones, yeah. yeah, we don't have enough homes in this country. Correct, right? And we have growing demand, so we all know where it's going, yeah. And I think, um, you know, if you go back twenty years, there's a lot of not problems, but there was this what I used to call the property ladder generation, yep. where the, 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 the market was just going up and up and up and everybody thought they could buy a house, flip, you know, put a new kitchen, put a new bathroom in, flip it and make you know, 30% yeah. or something. And they were, but that was just, it was fake because it was just because the market was going a certain way. We need to go back. Traditionally, property investment was always seen as a long-term investment. Not a quick win. Not a quick win. And if you go back to that, then the obvious answer is, Forget all these blips in the market, Brexit and stuff. You know, just do. We the need new homes and the there, we isn't need it? New homes. And actually, if you think about that, then there's a real opportunity at the moment. So we've got clients I work with who are who aren't dealing in in, in sterling, and for them, they're like, this it's is great. great. Yeah, it's a great, great opportunity. Great Britain's on sale at the moment mm. to them. Not only just because of the, the slight dip in the housing price, but obviously the thirty or twenty percent, whatever it is, reduction in in the sterling rate. So great. they're like, buy, yeah. buy. You know, because they know it's going to go back up. Yeah. Sterling will write itself eventually. Yeah, probably not up to what it was before, but you know, we, so at the moment there there are opportunities there for people, but you have to have a long term view on it. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So, Colin, what's what's next for you as a as a person as an entrepreneur? Uh, the next thing I'm working on something at the moment for Channel Four, which is really exciting. Actually, okay. a new show. Um, I can't again. I can't say much about it, but I think the next week there may be. Hopefully, fingers crossed, there'll be positive announcement okay. so that's and where will people find that announcement just on your website, on my website or, or social media I'll yeah be, I'll, I'll, I'll be announcing we'll look out for that yeah, be good i'll be too. probably just walking down the street shouting about it actually. <laughs> i'm very excited about it it's, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah so can't give us any inside information at all um, for anybody it is a new prime time show for channel four potentially okay. um surrounding property that's probably all i'm allowed to say yeah but, okay yeah, but Oh, excited to, to see see that. No, no, it's been it's great. I mean, it, for me, it's just like a dream come true. So we've been working on that uh, for a while now. Um, what else for me? I'm I'm working. I, I do lots of different things. So I'm working 
doing something at the moment with uh, sales training for architects. Okay. I have this thing of that you know, um, uh, creative industries don't understand the value of their service, or don't know how to kind of equate that or how to communicate that to clients. Yeah, to sell to, that. To sell yeah. it improperly. Yeah. So I'm working with a really good sales trainer, a guy called Tony Morris, who I met at an event in Bangkok, and he was on. We were talking, and he was talked before me, and he he came off, and I just looked at him and said. Oh, you git. <laughs> You've made it really difficult. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, after you. Yeah, I'm after you. I like it when people are bad. I'm like, oh, this is, you know. And yeah. he was really good. And then we had a chat afterwards. And I was like, I really, you know, and it was just, you know, I mean, I've been on sales training before and I consider yeah. myself a good salesman, but his talk was, was fantastic. And I was like, look, there's got to be something that we can do. And as soon as I saw this opportunity, so we're working on something together to put something together um, for that. We've got lots of developments in, 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 um, and, and, and projects, you know, coming through. Yep. There's the TV stuff. I'm still doing a lot of writing, so I write for Architects Journal, Grand Designs Magazine. Um, I, I did something for Metro and, and the Times recently. So there's, lot, there's always lots of lots things bubbling over, yeah, which is good. good. All right, well, look, we, we look out for the new show coming, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, hopefully that all goes well for yourself. Pleasure having you on. Thank you. I think we've covered a lot today. Um, is there anything the, that we haven't covered that you'd like to, to talk about before we finish up? Is there anything? Um, is there anything? No, no, there no, isn't. I, don't, I think we've I covered don't, most you know, things. You've not, thankfully, you've not asked me anything about Brexit. <laughs> well, we've and, mentioned, the, we've mentioned and the new it, Prime yeah. Minister. <laughs> Funny enough, I had to write, someone asked me, I wrote a piece yesterday, after, or a, a little contribution to a piece yesterday lunchtime yep. after they announced Boris about okay. what, what we should be doing what he should be doing for architects and that was so that was out yesterday and basically just said look you know what he needs to do is support young architects um, and at the moment what happens is that young architectural firms yep. are locked out of big contracts because they have to pass turnover tests and, oh. and PI insurance tests which effectively exclude I would a, say, lot of architect a lot of architects yeah. I say what he needs to do is either relax those those turnover tests or PI tests yep for them or break big contracts up. So um, if they've got a big contract, uh, let's say they're building a big, uh, Brink Cross South, for example. Yep. Yeah. Although that's a private development. But imagine something on that scale, then all you do is, you, rather than trying to let the whole thing, you just break, break it up and into much smaller chunks and say, okay, well, we want you know all smaller architects in there. Or you make it a stipulation of the contract that a big firm, like someone like Grimshaws or something, mm. London Bridge, have to engage with 20% of the work has to be engaged with local or smaller firms. Yeah. And what that does then is that gives the smaller firms, because they, they're stuck in this kind of vicious cycle. They can't get big jobs. So they go to a, 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 a big client and say, oh, you know, or a local authority, I'd love to work on this big contract. They're probably good enough to do the job, More but they just do don't, they don't meet the criteria. Yeah, and they say to them, well, you can't get this big job because you've not done any big jobs. And then they say, but well, how can <laughs> I, I get any big jobs if you're not going to live Exactly. So, and so it's a way of breaking that. Of yeah. breaking that of and you breaking think that will happen? You think that I hope it will happen. It needs to happen. Yeah. Because we're in a real danger that then all you get is you get design from a certain sector of the market, and that's yeah. not good. So if you go back historically, some of the best developments were um, were done by smaller architects who became big, so like Neve Brown. Yeah. Um, okay. And he um, designed Alexander Road and was RIBA uh, gold medalist two years ago. Um, but he did that when he was working for Camden Council. 
Mm. Yeah, and that's how. But the councils don't employ architects directly anymore because they got rid of all that with all the housing stock and, and shipped it off. So they have to go yeah, to the big firms now. So it's kind of like, how can you, how can you change yeah, it? So it's tough to, to get on that, the right path. Yeah, it's really, it's really, it's almost impossible. So it has to come from the government. The government have to legislate and break it up. So, so it won't happen anytime soon. <laughs> we'll see what Boris does. He's a, he's a bit of a wild card. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> let, let, let's hope he does. But yeah. things do take time with governments, as you no, know. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, look, thanks for coming on. No problem. Pleasure. Thanks for, yeah, Thank you so thanks much. Thanks a lot. Cheers. So for now, what I want to do is thank you for listening. Subscribe, leave a review. Look forward to speaking to you on the next podcast with some exciting guests coming our way.